Oh, hello, Internet. It's me, Jed Whitaker, and this is another episode of your favorite show where we just take embargoes and we break them over our knee like Roman Reigns broke The Undertaker last night at WrestleMania. That's too soon, man. It's too Never. soon. And the worst match of the night. Anyways, I'm here joined with uh, joined by Miles Cox. Hey, that's me. Hey, how's it going? And we have a special guest today. His name is Nick Robinson. You might know him from Polygon or Rev3 or sometimes Twitter. That's my three. Those are my three. That's what my resume is. It's just those three words in a row. It, it's a pyramid and it's got three sides. One time he made the best vine ever about babbages on vine. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, that vine did do very, very well. Guess how many dollars it made me? Zero. How many? Zero dollars. Which is how many dollars Twitter has ever made. Yep. So yeah. You're basically Twitter. I mean, and I think Twitter's made like negative money at this point. So. Right. Yeah. Not mo- just, Vine's not easy Twitter. to monetize. It's the problem with that. So you can pour your heart and soul into that platform and then uh, get absolutely nothing back, which is maybe part of why it's not a, it doesn't exist anymore. I mean, have you been getting those emails from Twitter saying like, hey, promote your business? Occasionally, they'll ask me to promote hey, my business. give us money and we'll give you followers. Yeah, hey, I've got know. a business to promote. It's called Embargo Breakers, and today's embargo is ukulele, which we're coming in hot on this one. The embargo is actually uh, very soon. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes you just have to you have to break it a little early. We're kind of like doing the European break here where, you know, it's one of those Italian sites and they're like, embargoes, who gives a shit? And they just post the review anyways. That's is what it, we're doing. Could it be one of those like, things where, like, the embargo is set for, like, April 3rd, but we say that we thought it was March 4th because we thought it was a European date? And then that could cover us? It could be. Or that remember, totally could cover us. Remember that one time Quantum Breaks uh, review embargo was on April Fool's Day? <laughs> no, I <laughs> vaguely remember Quantum Breaks embargo, but not that it was on April Fool's Day. I think that's a thing, unless I'm misremembering, because I thought, what was Microsoft thinking? And I that's, think they were thinking this game is a joke. That's well, that's kind of a good cover though. Of like, if you have a game that you know people aren't gonna maybe love as much as they'd like to. You just set the embargo for April Fool's Day, and then when everyone comes out saying that it's disappointing, it's it can kind of just roll off your back, I feel like. I wish and I would have Nobody cares off. because everyone's walk, watching the uh, new Rick and Morty. <laughs> right? th- yes, in this case, that's what happened. An attack on Titan with the hairy man beast. Oh, is that, what, is that where they're at? Is there a hair guy now? Yeah, there's the hair guy. He's in Where's the game, the too, if you've played the game. Uh-uh. Well, I, I know he's in the game. <laughs> I, I, I played the game, Jed. I played the game. Where's the hair? I, I need you to tell me where the hair is. Uh, I just want to hear you say it. Uh, this is a this is a this is an actual spoiler, but it's on his groin. So Yuka Yuka is the spiritual successor to Banjo Kazooie. Mm-hmm. It was kickstarted for like I don't know ten fifteen dollars or something like that. And uh, honestly, it kind of shows. Uh, I don't know about I mean, you guys, I'll, I'll but pull up the Kickstarter here. Um, it kind uh, of six sixteen dollars and nine cents. Yeah, we should definitely keep in mind. I feel like that that a lot of there are a lot of backers who have not gotten their copies yet and so they're going to be turning to this podcast and others to kind of let them know how it turned out um so if you were speaking directly to somebody who backed it i i guess the question is like how what would you want them to know right off the bat well first of all the entire game is in black and white and i don't get it it's a weird move because if i remember right there was like eight or it's 16 colors in banjo because it was eight colors in banjo kazooie 16 colors wait, in tui right it was on the 64 divide by 32 
1669? Something like that. Yeah, it came out on the Nintendo 69. (laughs) That console was lit. Yeah, there were only like 10 sold. It was pretty cool. Um, Yeah, yeah, I'm really confused because like, I mean, the intro was really weird. It was on an old timey TV. And I was like, oh, that's a neat effect for this intro. And it just kept going. It stayed that way. I've been, for the first like 10 hours, I was holding out hope that it was maybe doing like, uh, you know, that movie Lady Vengeance by uh, Korean South, uh, South Korean director yeah, Chanwood yeah. Park. And in the theatrical cut, they did that thing where like in theaters, the movie started out in black and or started out in color and then faded to black and white over the course of the runtime for like two and a half hours. I was kind of hoping this game would do a reverse version of that where it starts out black and white and then fades into color. But so you mean no. a, you wanted it to pull a Wizard of Oz? Precisely. But just like a gradual one. I thought it was really strange too. Like they went with the black and white, but then they didn't do the whole silent movie thing. And all the cast was actually like voiced and just spoke normally. It wasn't just like, you know, fully voiced. It wasn't like the crazy sounds you you were expecting from Banjo-Kazooie. And the crazy thing, just all of these no-name voice actors, literally no-name voice actors, they just pulled people off the street and said, Mm -hmm. hey, read this. Um, well, if you check the credits, really it's like direction. I, I think that is interesting. What's funny though, because if you look at the credits, it's actually all the same no-name voice actors that were used in another 2017 game, The Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. It's a, oh, the yeah. same same sort of cast, the same people. I think they must be on the same street or something. So Mac- Macaulay Culkin. Mm. Yep, he was in there. Uh, we had oh geez, Jeff Bridges, which was kind of an interesting choice as Laylee. That is surprising. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's I he's I thought, who thought, who is it. who is Jeff Bridges anyways? Like, what has he ever done? Put on a sweater, know, but they ran into him on the street and got him to record some lines. And you know what? The game's better for it. It is. It's because it's the whole the color scheme. I feel like could potentially be a it's get in the way of it having personality, and then I feel like Jeff pulls it back into kind of a at least there's something there for you to for you to chew on if you like those old characters. Um, there's a lot of different powers that you kind of unlock over the course of this game. There's kind of different sets on different worlds and you kind of have some freedom in, uh, in which powers you get in what order. So I, which, I mean, which one did y'all get first for, for your first playthrough? Oh, I was just seeing how long the silence could go because that's that's that was actually the first power I got was silence. Oh, the power of silence. Right. So it's it, you can just make people stop talking, which mm-hmm. is really useful because there's a character who just screams and their voice is kind of like Sindel from Mortal Kombat, and you can't get past it unless you silence them. So it was a it was a useful power for one very specific scenario. One and puzzle, then, yeah. And then otherwise that you just muted the vo- the the wonderful slash terrible voice acting. So I mean it's a it's kind of a win win. Hmm. I don't know. I thought the power up uh, that essentially gave you the same move set as Knuckles from Sonic Adventure Two was pretty interesting. Like in a rare game with that open world and that type of gameplay, the collectathon shit. I thought you know what this works with Knuckles. You know yeah. what? So I you know just unlock knuckles and you start climbing. it was fantastic and you get that climb, little fly, thing dig. at the bottom that tells you like how far you are from the nearest collectible just like in, mm-hmm. in just like knuckles which is really helpful i thought and the best part is they kept it authentic to the game it still sucked mm-hmm. it felt exactly like that like sonic adventure 2 battle which i which i really appreciated the whole like sports power up series was really weird like the one where you can kind of turn into a basketball and uh kind of roll around i thought was really weird yeah because there were no basketball hoops in the entire game right there's a lot of soccer goals that's most of the beginning like the end of every level has a small soccer goal that you can kind of roll your way into but that's but there's no like 
there's it just seemed like a weird fit of like and i at first i was like maybe it's like a uk thing like maybe you know they call soccer football maybe they call sure maybe they call basketball soccer that makes sense that that would that that would explain it i do know they call football hockey but there was no football in this game yeah, but so we didn't. You don't. You don't that. want. I can't even say what they call cricket. I. I Oops. feel like we would get taken off the air. Uh, dog, we're breaking embargoes. Just say it. Yeah. How? By the way, you. How many episodes of this have y'all done? How? How long has this been going? Sixteen. Sixty-nine. So how are you still like? Because the thing for me, I guess, is like it's. I'm just surprised you're still getting sent early copies of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of the times we just steal it from the internet. Um, we just we just tell people like in good faith, hey, don't tell Nintendo the king of video games, and you know what? No one's told Nintendo yet. Right. So. You're good then. I think I, I think we're good. I can't. I, I you know I think it's kind of hard to break an embargo on a podcast and have anyone care because the truth is no one listens to podcasts and especially not Nintendo. I mean, Reggie's ears are probably constantly just filled with the screams of innocent children and Metroid fans. So. I, like I have to imagine that like if you're a video game PR person and you're trying to see if anyone broke embargo on your game, you Google like Shadow of Mordor 2 embargo in quotation mm-hmm. marks and then you just see if any like you're not you can't scrub through every podcast. That would be maddening. So you kind of just Definitely do not. the only thing you can do. I know most people when they break embargoes like us, they like just tell you. So them searching embargo is a good idea. Right. I usually say it at the top of well, I say warning. If you're like PR person, don't read this. Do not keep scrolling. Um, Every day I wake up, I ask Siri, hey, what are the embargoes? And she gives me the embargoes and I say, okay, this is my list of embargoes to break for the day and mm. I get to work. That, that reminds me, I forgot to put this at the head of the show like we always do, but uh, if, you, if you work for uh, the company related to this game, you're actually not allowed to listen to this. Mm-hmm. And if you do, you're you're breaking our e- EULA. Sort of in a way that you the trick that I've always learned like while doing this job is that you just have to set an embargo for your podcast until they can talk about whether or not you broke the embargo and by listening they agree to that embargo and then you set that embargo for like the year 9999 or something so they can kind of never talk about it and then you're saying they can never release their game either. That yeah, that's true. Did y'all think it was weird that they brought back Gruntilda? I, you know what? I thought it was cute. I, I was okay with it. It's kind I of mean, a fan favorite. I thought yeah. it was strange that they still kept JonTron as her voice, though, just like in the old games. <laughs> yeah, they took JonTron's NPC out, but they apparently just repurposed all that audio for Gruntilda, which I'm not. I'm. I don't know what kind of commentary they're trying to make. Well, I, on for that. me, I think it's just a matter of like when you got to fit voice acting on a cartridge you have really limited room we should also talk about the fact that it's on a on a nintendo 64 cartridge because that's a little strange as well yeah the adapter was really really big and it came with like the multi-tap kind of uh controller ports usbs just there was a vga port on there um i didn't really get to use that too much uh but yeah it worked with pretty much every console i tried it with including my dreamcast which i'm super i'm super happy with yeah, that to me is like it's it's kind of helps them from just a, a production standpoint in terms of like how like if you're trying to send out a game to a bunch of backers and you got to cancel your Wii U version and do all that, you just send out the cartridge and the adapter. That's a one size fits all solution, and then there you go, problem solved. So did yeah, you, you you choose what you play it on? Mm-hmm. You already have the game. You have the game consoles. You know, it's what? like it cloud saving, but it's local. It's cloud gaming. It, you know, it's funny because like when you think about what the voice acting was like in the older games, 
it was it was kind of just that squeaking and squawking and then they would use text to kind of put whatever message they want in here but they they made the controversial move i think to to fully voice everything but then to have all the on-screen text just be like mar, 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 like spelled out mm-hmm. um they swapped them which i think is like and on the one hand they're trying to modernize it which i think is good but on the other hand it's it's tough just legibility wise like it's almost like why write it on screen at all and then you have to go in and if you want to read it you have to like they make you turn on the subtitles if you want to see what it says if you're playing like without the sound so that's yet another step um they individually subtitle each word of the kind of hee-haw language Um, i mean there's a lot of like mashing a in this game like mm -hmm. most of the gameplay is just straight up skipping text um and all that text is just yeah i I don't really remember but i was banjo kazooie like 90 percent story 10 percent combat because i that's how this is and that ratio feels just off to me it was 90% story, 9% combat, and I believe the other 1% was puzzles? Hmm. There was, there was also collecting items. That's true. Yeah, you have to I, do I think that. that also does fall into the puzzles aspect. I, now, I don't know. Collecting an item equals a puzzle. Can there's equal- a puzzle to get to it. Well, what's weird, too, is that like in Banjo-Kazooie and, and even in Donkey Kong 64 and like a lot of those rare platformers, it was a situation of like, oh, you would collect like 10 jiggies and open a new world. or You would collect like all these little like jingos or whatever. In this game, instead of collecting like multiples of a single item, every item in the game is different. So there's over a thousand items, a thousand collectibles, but none of them are the same. Uh, which kind of screws up the, the economy and the currency. Because, like, I wanted to unlock the snow world, but I needed to find, like, a red fire hydrant. And I, uh, the other 180 items I'd collected so far, none of them were red fire hydrants. And so I was just kind of out of luck. Honestly, the neatest part about that was being able to combine those collectibles into different mm-hmm. weapons. Mm-hmm. What were some of your guys' favorite weapons? I mean, I'm a big fan of the dildo cannon, obviously. There, I mean, because because each item is different, you would think there's only one dildo, but you would be wrong. There's so many different dildos to collect. Like a Big lot of ones, reskinning. Little ones, black ones, thick ones. I think there was... A, the dragon ones. I the think dragons, right. upgrade you get later on. Right. The Bad weird thing is, dildos. like, when you're, when you're a Kickstarted game, like, you don't legally have to tell your backers whether or not you're making an E-rated game or an M-rated game. And I wonder I don't if even people... Think, are... Did the ESRB even, like, rate it? No, they refused. They <laughs> just walked away from it completely. They were, did not like what they saw. Um, but I wonder if that's going to be, like, a controversial thing. Because, I mean, I guess the idea is that anyone who's nostalgic for Banjo-Kazooie is now, like, well into their, their 20s and beyond. So they likely... Uh, can maybe they can tolerate it but it's more it's 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 more let's say it's more conquer than than donkey conquer yeah grant kirkhope did say fuck in like every song well in every line of the dk rap he just he I, and i think it felt kind of lazy to me because he just made every line end with fuck so he didn't have to rhyme any of it um and it was like come on because like that's not that the effort is a little leave something to be desired i mean fuck, yeah, i think fuck rhymes with fuck. lyrics it was like oh geez Put your hands um, together Yuka, if you want to fuck as we take as you through. Fuck. Yeah, they just did. It, he basically just did the DK rap again and changed the last <laughs> line, the last word of every line to fuck. I was okay with it, really. I mean, I get that you guys don't like it, but it was a fucking good time to me. It just feels I mean, like it's not legally dist. Well, I guess I don't know. It's. I mean, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't. I don't know whether what what constitutes parody in the United Kingdom, right? Like maybe yeah. they're maybe they're covered. I don't know because. 
I mean, speaking of parodies, like straight up, a lot of the soundtracks were just Weird Al instrumentals. Mm-hmm. Which, which is funny because a Weird Al instrumental, if you think about it, is almost just the song that he's parodying, right? Pretty much like, just with with the uh, the what do you call it? The accordion, right? Yeah, yeah. There'll be some slight accordion, but he even sometimes he doesn't even do that. Sometimes he just does a straight a straight rip. So it, it's kind of I mean I guess on the one hand that's a good way to get a licensed soundtrack, but you only have to really license it from Weird Al Yankovic. So it, it probably saved them. Sure parodying a weird owl song is against some sort of law but i don't know well, it's a double it's them. a double negative so it cancels oh, it out cancels out yep i think is how it works did you guys like the spider-man level or no i got to the batman level not the spider-man one wait which version did you get Black i got i got ukulele spider-man okay it sounds I got like you batman got ukulele one. batman that's when they sent me i think jed which ones you got gandalf shit that's the one i wanted well, that Gandalf has both of them. It's sort of a Fire Emblem Fate situation where it's got both of them and the Gandalf campaign. It's like right. the, uh, the the Soul Calibur on the GameCube versus the PS2. Right. Link you get, and ooh. what what was the other one? Darth so, Vader? You got, it, it was like Link, Darth Vader, and like the guy who made Spawn. Not Spawn, but like the guy who made Spawn. And the guy who made Spore. Yeah, Will Wright was also playable <laughs> in there, which is great. Um, it's some good moves. The Spider-Man stuff was... I actually thought the swinging mechanics were, like, really good. Um, but it was just all of the, like, the weird, like, kind of... The... the Oh, God, what is that game called? With, like, the clothing tearing stuff in it? Oh, shit. Uh, Tomb Sa- Senran Kagura? Is that right? They Tomb just... Raider. They du- They completely stole that system from Senran Kagura and then put it in, like, a spider suit thing with this really tedious, like, MGS3. You have to go into a menu to fix your suit whenever it tears. And I was mm-hmm. just like, this is... It's just a lot at once because they don't ramp you into it. They just dump you into, like, all these new mechanics. It's practically... It, it almost feels like they had all this extra money and they were like, we can probably squeak out this other game idea we have and just make it a level. It was really neat to see the entirety of Frog Fractions 3 inside that game. Which, I don't know if we can talk about Frog Fractions 3 since that's technically a separate game. Listen, mm. we can't break two embargoes at once. Plus, we respect them a little bit more than we do these, uh, these uh, you know, detractors from Rare. Yeah, Jim De- Crawford defectors? has uh, all my respect. So, uh, so in the Spider-Man version, like, this game, you, you play as two characters. Who is the other character? So, like, who's on Spider-Man's back as you kind of swing yeah. around? Do you guys Robin remember uh, what's his name? James Bond from Goldeneye. Mm-hmm. Uh, which one? They threw just James Bond from Goldeneye, the digital one, the fictional digital fake. Oh, Pierce. so the like shitty face texture that yeah. James Bond, like, like low Max poly. Payne, enemy Pierce Brosnan, that guy. Mm-hmm. They kind of throw him on Spider-Man's back, which is kind of cool because like that's also it's kind of harkening back to another rare game, and so that's kind of again it's like a good fan service, like it's a it's a nice thing to do for fans, but. Um, Again, like the fact that you kind of have to plug in a second controller and do that, that do all the aiming that way was like I thought it was tedious. I didn't that have anyone. That's why you around. gotta get the Switch version though, because you got that two-player just straight up built in. That's like yeah, I think they convenient. were really pushing for that. We can cut this silence out. Who cares? I just zoned out for a second, thinking about how great <laughs> the Nintendo Switch is. Yeah, I love mine. It's it's so good. I I especially like the use of HD Rumble here. I mean, it really makes, you know, HD rumble worthwhile, where every time your character takes a footstep, it just rumbles, like, full force in your hands. It actually got detached from my system while I was reviewing it every time I would walk. 
Really? Yeah. It was just yeah, shaking see, so hard that it would like come unhooked from the console. And so I had to kind of just glue it on and just kind of keep it perpetually in, in portable mode that way. I, I feel like mine must be a faulty unit because uh, the HD rumble it was so like strong on mine that it ended up just phasing out of existence and I had to go buy a new switch. Nintendo did not cover that. Their warranty system is kind of, I don't know, it's, it's, it's not the best. It just kind of makes you think like what does the Nintendo seal of quality even mean anymore if, if they won't cover it when your console phases out of existence. I mean they're, they're contro- not going to cover transdimensional damage. They're not going to get money from me. Their controllers don't even work in your ass, so who who even cares? Fuck the Switch, I hate it. You turned around on it, huh? You switched sides a little bit. I'm I'm pretty much sixty nine sixty nine on it, so that's uh one hundred percent split both ways. The uh, Xbox Smart Glass app was not something that I got to try, but I did read a little bit about the functionality on mm-hmm. the back of the box. Really neat that it was cross platform. Uh, so Microsoft really, you know, took care of Rare, or not Rare. Yeah, they took care of Rare. They took care and, of Rare. Uh, they, they, they took Rare. And, and they uh, murdered them, and then this well, game came out. I think they made, my understanding of what happened was they took the, the remaining developers at Rare, had them develop the Smart Glass app for Platonic's ukulele. Mm-hmm. Uh, which Just I like think as is, a punishment? Sort of, well, yeah, it's they, they sort of like, it's it, there's something kind of actually fucked up about them making the remaining people at rare watch platonic make this game they've always wanted to make they like there's something like vaguely development cuckoldy about it that it made me think about microsoft in a new light sort of i was like oh you guys mm-hmm. it always seemed like when they bought rare and then didn't do fucking shit with them for 10 years it always seemed a little mean-spirited but it's good to know for a fact that they're just actively there's some there's some weird grudge going on there. So what you're I mean, saying, it's, it's really what you're nice saying that is, they finally ended the like the three year long pool party that they had, just celebrating the Kickstarter, and they actually got around to making the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did hear some really shitty things about the work environment, though. Um, you know, these people staying up, you know, twenty eight hours a day, uh, slaving away on hand modeling all of these animations everything is you know stop and hand, well also like hand, just hand modeling like they you if you if you put, sort of put the mm-hmm. character up against the wall you can see that all the hands are extremely detailed in this game um, really, really neat art style with all the shadows it's all made of hands if you zoom in really really close mm-hmm. you can see you, you, some really cool you know, shadow art. you know what really pissed me off is how bad the feet were as a feet you know lover myself they were just oh, really yeah, bad compared to the, the hands uh, they got the guy who did the feet in Fire Emblem, uh, the, <laughs> the Awakening one. Yeah, yeah, that that person. Which yeah, is yeah, they like, were just like pegs. The woke one. That's a weird poach to do. You Those poached, are his hooves. You poached the person who made the hooves in Fire Emblem to make your feet for your game, and like feet were such a big part of Banjo Kazooie, right? Like, think about how iconic both Banjo's feet were as a sort of big bear paws, and then Kazooie's Every time I close feet. My eyes, I see them. Right. And conversely, you've got Kazooie's like bird claws that you can walk around on while Kazooie carries Banjo around, which is also very, very important. And so to see that left by the wayside in the sequel was like definitely a bummer. It was replaced by some really good replacements, though. The uh, the super duper high jump was just straight up replaced by really, really long legs. That's mm. an upgrade you get later on. Uh, I don't know how far you guys have played. I've all, finished. I've 100%ed of it. it. Yeah. Okay. See, I'm not. I'm not that far in. I've been playing way too much Zelda. Uh, I'm. I'm at least. I think 200 hours in. About halfway through. You guys didn't do much of the side quest, did you? I did all of them. 
You did all the side quests. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm just taking my sweet time with it. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm the kind of person that, like, just wanders around and never does anything in the game. So, well, like, I mean, second... this is a great game for that, right? Like, there's just so much to just look at in the environment. There's all the weird, like, kind of emergent gameplay stuff that happens. Mm-hmm. Like, I there was one point where I sort of came up on, like, a there was a puzzle piece with eyeballs hopping around. And he kind of, like, walked up to another puzzle piece with eyeballs that was walking around. Oh, uh, by the way, this. and they kind of connected... Uh, and they got stuck together, and then they fell down, and then they couldn't move. And then I was able to kind of collect them both. Was that was that kind of like when dogs do it, and they get stuck? It was a lot like that, yeah. I, and they were just wiggling back and forth, making weird noises. I'm into that. The physics stuff also was like really unexpected. Um, just the I like thought the physics was really insane with the licensing of the new Nvidia technology. Which which what is that? It's. <laughs> It's called uh, T- titulation. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a uh, uh, sub sub triangle titulation, and the neat thing about it is you can pretty much zoom so far into these character models that you can literally see every single nipple that these people are made of. So they're not using polygons in this game. Pixels are so overrated. Dog polygons are out by <laughs> this point. Uh, voxels, they're out. We're just using really, really tiny nipples as atoms. It's they kind of a pontalism-like vibe, you know? Like, it's all yeah, exactly. made of dots. Very painterly. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought it was, like... I always felt like the cool thing about those rare platformers, and this was so important to me with those old games, was, like, they just controlled really tightly. Like, it was just really precise and moving around and jumping and all the thing. Like, once, once you got a feel for it, it was just... It was really, really good. And for them to strip all that out and just put in the kind of drunk ragdoll animation from GTA 4 when Nico has too much to drink and kind of just wobbles around and flops everywhere, it, like... I, I did eventually get used to it, but it was, like... It just seemed like a strictly worse way to move around a game, especially like when there are these like areas that require some pretty deft platforming for your character to kind of just be drunk and stumbling at all times. Yeah. It's yeah. makes they, it hard makes it harder to enjoy. They did a fantastic job with the level design. They put a lot of stairs in the levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the final boss was just yeah, the final boss was just straight up a giant staircase, uh, and it just kept going. Yeah, and there was no end. I feel like a lot of this game was made by the developers, and the developers were just thinking, "Fuck these people," because because <laughs> I they also didn't, feel they didn't like, and I say money. this a lot. I feel like a lot of every time I play a game, I hold it up in my hands and I say, "I feel like a lot of this game was made by the developers." Is what I usually say <laughs> about every video game that I play. I think I think maybe at least two percent of this game was not made by the developers mm. well there's the most of it i'm f- i'm fairly confident they definitely outsourced a lot of it to like india and other other places where it's just cheaper mm-hmm. that's a global market for you and the, the, i didn't the the coolest thing i think about that final boss encounter is that they used like the going up the endless stairs theme from Mario 64 but it's like an accordion cover of it so they got weird out to do at least one piece of original music not original music but like one original recording for the score which i think is cool and i hope they release the soundtrack separately because like as much as i don't ever want to play the game again and as much as i would not recommend it to anyone i do hope that that ends up on spotify because that like super long loop of the accordion version of the do 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 like up the stair song would be awesome to have like when you're working or when you're jogging you're on a stairmaster from listening to other podcasts just have that in the background mm-hmm. never just I've, create the sense of waiting i've never listened to another podcast so what did you guys think of the story i mean we've talked about a lot of different gameplay elements but for me the whole uh you know the bad guys were were bees 
and uh, played I mean, by Jerry Seinfeld. I just thought it was just too much playing off of the meme of like the B movie. It immediately dates the whole thing, right? It makes it feel like they conceived of this in like early 2016, and they must have. You know, it's like like you know how the new Migos album opens with that like minute long track of DJ Khaled saying like they tried to play us they you played yourself and just like saying another one over and over and I'm like you can tell that they fucking recorded this when this was even remotely relevant but now that this album is coming out and it's like February of 2017 like it's really fucking just show, shows in stark relief that y'all recorded this forever ago I felt the same way about uh, all the all the B movie shit it clearly shows that when you're making a game or, you know, a larger piece of media, you really have to have foresight and actually future sight because you have to know what's and going to be popular too. by the you, time. And foreskin, you have to be... You just have to have, like, just any piece of foreskin will do. And it's it's kind of an ancient, like, sort of more of a witchcrafty vibe is what I was going for. Like, kind of, a, you just need to have it as part of your witch's brew of making a game. Like, cauldron bubble. Yeah. Toss it in there. So you need to, yeah. like, cut it off, toss it in brew it then the game's there mm-hmm. it's one of gruntilda's rhymes is about that actually yeah the deluxe edition with the diy make your own game kit that was a lot of fun i i'm surprised they could sell that actually based on what was in it yeah so so they had they had the uh they had the little cauldron there they had you know they didn't include the foreskin it, it's like the battery's not included like come on mattel what are we doing here hmm Get yeah. your shit straight. If I don't get anyway. some like collectible foreskin with my with my game, I just feel like I'm getting ripped off. So I had to find some foreskin, but luckily they included the rest of the ingredients, and you know it, it was a lot of fun. You know I got together with my roommate and we made a game together, and then we got to play it, and it was it was a very very intimate experience. Uh, I I I say it was fantastic. Well, yeah, I guess it's a cool idea too of like a game that comes with the like the pre order bonus being the ability to make another better game. It's courageous in a way. Yeah, it, yeah. the The free trial of Unity that it came with uh, came in uh, in handy. But really, the other peripherals that it that it uh, was advertised as coming with, uh, I was really surprised at the build quality and and just the general uh, use that I got out of them. Uh, the the selfie stick for taking selfies while you're playing the game because they know that the game was going to go viral. You know, it's the sequel to spiritual sequel to Banjo Kazooie. Uh, you're gonna want to show your friends on Snapchat that you're playing it. You're gonna want to show your friends on Twitter that you're playing it because no one else is. Mm-hmm. So it's nice that they threw that in. There. I thought including the gun con from uh, PlayStation One was was a great choice, except for the fact that there's actually no interactivity with it because HD TVs just don't work with right. Gun you con. have to hook it up to a CRTV and then you can kind of use it during the James Bond sections. And I like that the selfie stick is at least themed with the game. Like, you know those the <laughs> long legs power up, it's kind of just like a big long kind of a big long bird leg that you it's can a kind big, of long bird leg and you just put your phone, the phone in there. Uh so it's at least thematically relevant, I thought, which is like a nice touch. Oh yeah. They they got good people working on those those peripherals. Um was, I think it was Mad Cats who was working on it. Rest in yeah, peace. Yeah. They use their dying breath to this game, conjure this. This game killed them. It, but I guess, though, that's maybe why the quality of those peripherals is so high is because it was like sort of the, everyone at Mad Cats from the, from the bottom all the way up to the top was extremely passionate about peripherals. And you wouldn't work there if you weren't. And I think they, they were able to kind of turn that passion into like this sort of last hurrah, sort of like the suicide mission at the end of Toy Story 3, but for making the gun con namco's gun con but like again and less functional 
they truly went out with a bang i wish yeah i i wish i wish that that gun con could be used in like anything because like just even even time crisis 2 i i think i probably enjoyed more than this game um Um, real talk point blank one of the best series of all time it's really good it's really i I guess I just I'm trying to figure out like where does Platonic go from here because they've really put all their eggs in this one basket and it's like the the question for me is like do can they do a sequel to this would they want that is there any appetite for it I mean how um, can they I'm how can really they interested how can I, they oh. don't I mean I, we don't want to spoil anything but you're right there is a really big question of like obviously it would have to be a prequel or it would have to involve some other characters after the events at the end of the game um, well I mean first off this is embargo breakers so we do have to spoil everything is the thing so if we left if, if we leave something unspoiled we actually get right so if you guys don't want to hear the ending just fast forward like the next like two hours because that's all we're talking about till the probably like that point um so yep. I really thought it was uh it was a nice twist that at the end of the game, just Banjo-Kazooie come in with, like, machetes and just chop up ukulele. And then they say, mm-hmm. we're back, bitches. Which is, like, a weird way to announce that you've bought your IP rights back from your, your former owner, right? Like, that's is a cool way to do it. It's an expensive way to do it. Uh, I think oh, you no, missed no, the no. minor I, detail. I fan. You missed the minor detail that Banjo was wearing an Xbox-branded shirt. Oh, was he? I see I was playing on the CRT. I couldn't see it. They, the thing is that like I, I wanted to go back and watch that cutscene, but they had they had recording blocked for it because they didn't want it to get spoiled and get out there. Um, it so it's a single player game. Yeah, I missed that. But uh, damn. So then in that, what does that mean? That are they are they saying that Ukulele Two is going to be an Xbox exclusive? They're going back to Microsoft because that no, seems like well, for, a crazy. First of all, the title is Tukulele. Yeah, right. Tuka. Oh my gosh. There's. I I think you're the, taking it the wrong way though. Like it's not going to be an exclusive. I mean. Just think about it. Like other rare titles that Microsoft have made have been released on Nintendo consoles. Like Viva Pinata mm-hmm. was on the 3DS. So I mean, I what I what I'm assuming happened is like right before this came out, Microsoft just bought them and just told no one. And it now, just seems wild to me that like I mean, there's two possibilities, right? There's the possibility that that after the, the being at Rare for like 15 years and making like two and a half games everyone at rare was like kind of dying to get back under the foot of microsoft that's one possibility the other possibility is that they're kind of and i've been hearing a lot of buzz about this like obviously pactor has been talking about it but like this idea of games that aren't console exclusives but they just put a shirt on the character so like for example in the next tomb raider there's going to kind of be an xbox shirt on laura for the whole game but it's coming out on every system simultaneously she's just wearing an xbox shirt the whole time or like i I think it's probably inspired by the the switch shirt that you get in breath of the wild right um which was obviously that went over extremely well with fans and so i think they kind of want to duplicate that success in other franchises where they can you know, it really is a smart idea, at least from a marketing standpoint. Um, having this game be the only good game on the Switch uh, is, you know, it's kind of a breath of fresh air. Um, I, I really am excited to see, uh, you know, a sequel to this game, a spiritual sequel to this game. You know, maybe in 20 years we're going to see a, a spiritual sequel to Ukulele uh, in the same vein using people from X Platonic. Right. I think we should kickstart it personally. It would we be should. another crowdfunded situation, I'm sure. I mean, the cycle repeats and repeats. Mm-hmm. You know, you I mean, not a lot of people it. know this, but Banjo-Kazooie was actually a remake of a game from 20 years earlier. It was mm-hmm. a game on the uh, NES, and it was called Mario. Right. 
there's jumping, there's collecting things. Mm-hmm. Like it's all right in front of you, and you just don't realize it. You're just buying and replaying the same games over and over and over. It's basically a reverse Call of Duty. In in what way? Well, because the Call of Duty is always new and fresh, you see. And yeah, this, see this is just the same bullshit over and over, only with a new skin. So, oh, got it. Yeah, they've so it's they've, just it, they're pulling a reverse Call of Duty, which is a, a a forwards Mario. Right, like before you were like an Italian man, which is obviously the pinnacle of video game characters, and then they're like, you know what? Now you're a bird and a bear, and then they're like, you're a chameleon and whatever the other thing is. I don't even remember because so, it's that insignificant. So they like, I think this might have been something that not because this was only in the backers update section. So if you didn't back the game, you can't see this. But they said that they I did spent not back the game. Yeah, that's important to note. So they they said on, in one of their backer updates that they spent half the budget on getting Charles Martinet to do the voices for Yuka and Laylee. And he kind of is just doing like, not, not tech. Like he, they can't say this obviously, but they got him to do just a Mario voice for Yuka and then a Luigi voice for Laylee. Um, and I like, I, I get like the sort of name recognition thing. Like if let's say a kid is in a, in a Best Buy with, with their parents and they'd see like a trailer for it and the kid hears the Mario and Luigi voices, they'll be like, Hey, like mommy, get me this game. Um, but at the same time, like half the budget, it seems like so much money for like a game that it, that that I, I don't know is going to get that much marketing. I mean, Char- Charles is worth it. I mean, just think of how great the Mario and the Luigi voice both are. Honestly, the, the, the $2 trillion they spent on getting Charles was absolutely well worth it. I don't think I would have even liked the game without it. Like it without did- him, he, he's just got that magic in his voice. He, he He's been doing this for what like 30 years now mm-hmm. uh, you know he's the voice of every video game character you've ever known and loved like this is just an obvious progression from that he is the voice of every video game character i've ever known and loved and that he is the voice of mario and luigi the only two video game characters i've ever known or loved um exactly but it, the, there's sort of the added benefit of like when you get tired of the game you can close your eyes and pretend it's mario which i like a lot that's yeah, that was a really good feature. I, 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 I do strangely that, put it on the back of the box, though. I do that in many, any, many parts of my life. I just close my eyes and pretend it's Mario. Pretend it's Mario. Yeah, yeah. understand. Close your eyes, pretend it's Mario. That's yep. Mama my Mia. standard philosophy for everything. So overall, like, would you? Because I, I think we have a real rare opportunity here to get out ahead of the the reviews and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Would you recommend this game? Who would you recommend this game to? Is I guess you know, a better I don't, way. I don't think we've done anything like this on this podcast before. Yeah, well, Jed, we, 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 we gave we gave scores to uh, Breath of the Wild, and uh, I feel multiple like, scores to I one feel game. Like, I feel like if if I if, I mean we can mix it up. It's whatever is our fucking podcast. But I feel like if I had to suggest this to like one group of people, I would say nihilist. Honestly, is, if you're nihilist and you have the five dollars to buy it then yeah just get the game you'll have a good time anyway i mean and i don't not, just not, get the not, game and just don't care about it don't play it because you're a nihilist and that's what it's all about not to like i, I try not to get too like like armchair financial journalist on in, in this stuff but it's trying to keep a mental tally of like some of the numbers at play here we're saying that they spent two trillion on charles for, mm-hmm. for a total budget of four trillion, and then they're selling the game for five dollars, and it makes you wonder: like, did they do the math on this? Like, they're gonna have to sell, uh, just to even recoup their costs. Let's go ahead and just say five. So it's gonna be mm-hmm. four zero 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 
That's four million zero zero zero. That's four billion zero zero zero. That's throw, four trillion divided by more five. Zeros just to be safe. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just I'm doing the exact math here, and it looks like they're gonna have to sell eight hundred billion copies to make their money back. What do we think their odds are of doing that? Uh, What's well, kind of funny because I searched in quotes on Twitter, "I'm going to buy ukulele," <laughs> and funnily enough, eight hundred billion tweets showed up. Well, there you go. As long as they're all from separate accounts, they're good. I think I think it's actually I think this game is actually just a money laundering scheme. Honestly, I mean, especially since the the opening story says you're about to play a money laundering scheme. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kirk Hope does seem like he's on drugs when he's making that music. There you go. It's, and it's and you have itself. to you have to do drugs if you're la- you know laundering money. You know, if you're making anything, if if you are working with Mad Cats in any way, you have to be on drugs. Part of their downfall, I think. But that is, on the one hand, like, that's that's what made Mad Cats such a hard company to work with. On the other hand, that's how we got Beatles Rock Band. I have a fun, fun Mad Cat story. Uh, side, side story. Here we go. Real life. Uh, at PAX uh, East last year, I went to the Rock Band, or maybe it was two years ago, I went to the, the Rock Band party. And there was just some representative there. I think he was from Mad Cats, who was just very sweaty and drunk and screaming. And was it Mark? And giving out free copies of Rock Band. And that was uh, one of the most memorable moments in my career. I thought I want to be that guy one day. I want to be so drunk and happy about my product that I just scream. All you really need is a copy of Rock Band, which you can get at like GameStop for a dollar, and. A beer. I thought about going down that rabbit hole recently of being like, okay, exactly how many dollars and how much time stands between me. I had a night where I really just wanted to like play every Linkin Park song in Rock Band, and I was like, at this point, like, I could probably do that with very little, like, very little struggle. Um, and then I just didn't, and I didn't. I've never played Rock Band in my entire life, so I can't relate to. Either okay, of the well, two you can't games. answer this question then. But uh, uh, Nick, Nick, did you hook up your guitar and play ukulele with it? Because I really enjoyed that they built in like the whole Rock Band control scheme. But you know, the game just plays itself while you play Weird Al's music. Yeah, I think that was a cool idea because, like, I think they saw one of the biggest problems with dark souls and there's a lot to love about dark souls obviously like i think it's really changed the way like you're starting to see a lot of games that are influenced by it but one of the shittiest i think the problem with dark souls is it's the dark souls true i I, I think like the the one shitty thing about it is that it's if you've seen videos you know this is true that game is just really hard to play with a rock band controller like it's not easy it's it's one of the kind of i think from software's biggest oversights in making it is that it's not easy to play with a rock band controller and there's videos of people really trying i'm assuming these people who are trying to beat dark souls with a rock band controller they just don't have any other controllers which like it's understandable if you bought a rock band controller you want to make the most of it and so I think it's cool and kind of forward thinking here that Platonic was like, let's make a game that you that is designed to be played in this way and let them have kind of a better user experience. Yeah, I mean, of all the controllers that you can use with the game, I really enjoyed just using my Guitar Hero Aerosmith controller the best. I mean, it just really, it felt, you know, very sweet, very smooth, very crisp, just like Aerosmith's whole uh, discography. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I didn't have the Rock Band controller, but I did have a DDR pad. Uh, I, got, I got myself a dance mat, um, specifically the one from DDR Mario Mix, uh, just because the way the controls work on it, I, I believe the arrows are mapped to the actual mm-hmm. joystick and not the D-pad, uh, because ukulele does not support D-pad yeah. at all. 
So, so you know, having the DDR Mario mix tie-in was pretty nice. Uh, Mario breakdancing in the background. If you look really, really hard, uh, if you're playing in 4K on a 4K TV, you can, you know, kind of get up real close to those pixels. And there's Mario. He's there. The Do you know in Japan that game was called Dance Dance Revolution with Mario? True, true story. I like true. I liked using the uh, the Donkey Kong Donkey Konga, excuse me, drums. Mm-hmm. Those were those were a good time. Uh, it, I mean, it's basically all the same thing. I mean, it's basically just you know, hey, here's a music rhythm game, and you're playing it. It was really smart to have all of the rhythm stuff be on one track, so you're not having to keep track of other notes other than boom. Which I don't know why they chose that. That opens one. it up a lot too. Of like, you can plug in pretty much anything. Like I plugged in uh, a Razer gaming mouse, uh, and I just kind of mm-hmm. used the the one of the many 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 buttons on that mouse, uh, and just played the note highway that way. And it was it was a total. Did you no scope Gruntilda? Yeah, I did. I had to press the. I well, I had to like take flip it upside down and put some weights in it so I could really get that fine control. And then once I did that, it was no no problem. Honestly, one of my favorite things was uh, you you literally can plug anything into this game. Uh, I plugged my e-cigarette mm-hmm. into it, and I took a real big hit off of it. And Yuka took a big hit off of an in-game vape. That's so cool. The exact same as mine. I was like, hell yeah. So much vaping. So much vaping in this game. I mean, they did have to decrease the draw distance to be able to run it on the Switch. So they did have to get some sort of fog in there. And I'm guessing that's just... Hold on one sec. All right, Nick's gone. Let's talk shit. I can't believe this. What what happened? Nick isn't funny. No. No. No, he he reminds me of he's, me, but only worse. I don't I don't think he gets the goofs. He's he's just telling the truth about what he played, and we're we're just trying to be funny right. on our podcast. I'm just trying to. Was this a bad idea to know. get this guest? I feel like we should never have a guest again, especially someone from you know Rev Three. I'll <laughs> I'll put it up on the whiteboard and we'll yeah. talk about it later. I think we should just Keep tweet it out. Uh, no Scoville, sorry, you're not allowed. Stop asking. You're not allowed to come on here, Max Scoville. I know you're listening. So I'll shoot Laura a text saying it's hey. a no go. Are you back? Whew. I'm back. Yeah, my the food delivery showed up like early. We didn't talk shit about you the whole time. We promise. Great, perfect. Uh, I'm sad that Laura is not here. By the way, is, is she usually on the show? Uh, she is usually on the show. Yeah, she is. She is currently. I believe she's undercover right now. She's doing she, some reconnaissance. She seems uh, really afraid of breaking the embargo on this one. I think with you know. A company as uh, touted as uh, former Rare employees. She doesn't want to get blacklisted. Well, we all got that like threatening letter from them, right? Like, did you huh. guys get that or? Yeah, mine. Mine was really weird. It was just printed on a plain white sheet of paper with plain white ink. So I had to stick it in my oven to be able mm-hmm. to even read it, like National Treasure. Uh, and then they just sent me on a really long real life side quest, almost like an ARG. Which makes oh, it a bad shit. threatening. I'm that's a bad player. threat because it's kind of fun, you know. Which is not not that good. I didn't think it was fun at all. There was a man holding a gun up. To Mine my was head all the time. wasn't nearly as fun as your guys. I just got a decapitated bear's body wearing Banjo Kazooie's clothes, and it said, "Don't fucking talk." There was just a note like stabbed into his heart that said that. Well, it's kind of like I can ima- I have to imagine like, well, I was fucking when Metal Gear Solid Two came out. I was like. 12 but my understanding is that back in those days like no one was really there was just kind of a everyone agreed to not talk about the whole Raiden situation and i'm imagining they have a similar level of care here where they do not want to spoil the big banjo twist at the end 
Honestly, man, imagine if embargo breakers were active during oh my God. GS2's marketing. First of all, you'd be the you'd just be the world's that. first podcast, so that would give you a real leg up just in terms of subscribers and right. listeners, I think. And no one would no one would believe of course, us. We'd be the first and no the one only would believe one. us either. We were like, oh, you run around as a naked dude holding your junk and doing flips, and everyone would be like, You're fucking liars. Right. The real real the sky is falling situation on that one. We only tell the truth on this podcast. I guess I'm like, I, I, there's a whole new game plus thing in this game, obviously, that like that's something they've been touting from the very beginning is like it randomizes all of the different um, body parts on the character. And so it gets very hard to move around. I just don't think I'm like ready to dive back in after like 100%ing it. It just took a lot of, out of me. See, I never got to the new game plus mode. Uh, the final boss was so hard, I died so many times. I got new, uh, I got new game minus. Oh, no. Uh, and essentially, I, I got my new game hit play and i had no limbs whatsoever that's bad so i was just a ball kind of rolling around which you know you know with the physics engine i was i was kind of okay with it it kind of added a a little bit of a so it was basically just the basketball power up yeah right it's what's it's sort of i think they just used the same exact physics model for that um and you know i just that to me speaks volumes like if your game is is so busted that you're using existing power-ups as punishments for your player when they screw up too bad it's like maybe your game's not like maybe something's amiss you know you should like really re- take a step back and re-examine everything i mean let's not forget the first game to popularize that which was mario and every time you get hit by a goomba you power down but every time you get hit by a koopa you power mm. up so, you know, there's there's that weird dynamic of, you know, trying to figure out which enemy should I run into. These ones are the same color. And then if What's you're colored, you're, you're, you're colored blind and you grab the wrong mushroom, oh, you just got shrunk. Fuck you, colored blind people. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I hate people that are colored blind. Well, I don't want to shame disabilities. Uh, uh, it seems Platonic doesn't seem to share the same sentiment. They just made everything black and white so they said fuck people who can i kind of like color. that well i think my understanding from talking to the developers is that that was a really late game decision in terms of like oh shit we're shipping in three weeks and we didn't put in any colorblind options and a lot of the puzzles in this game require you to be able to sort of discern between different objects let's make the whole game black and white that way it's equally unfair to everybody and i think that's like level the playing field yeah levels the playing field it makes those puzzles kind of shitty for everyone and that's something that i can kind of get behind just in terms of like we all have the same experience that way. It really does add like an almost Fez or Zelda Breath of the Wild, like like a collaborative yeah. element to it. You know, I'm I'm really excited to see the game come out and people trying to solve these mm-hmm. puzzles together. I don't know. To to me, it kind of came across as like pushing the social agenda of like, oh, equality. And I'm like, oh, we can all see color or we all can't. Just pick a side. Pick a side, Platonics. It is the world's first dog-friendly game, though, and I gotta give them. Which that. is weird because that's the only animal that's not in the game. I thought it was no strange. Dogs. I thought it was strange too that like you you kill so many animals in this game so violently. Like Banjo Kazooie, so cute, so fun. You know, the 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 worst thing is like, oh, this witch is gonna like throw you in her stew or something. But this, it gets really, really dark. Yeah, uh, did, did you get to the the uh, the Sonic level where uh, it's everything is the exact same, but the animals you kill, uh, robots pop out of them. It the was animals a- you kill, so it's a reverse robotic roboticist. What is it called? Roboticization. Reverse roboticization by Gruntilda. Yeah. It was kind of like it, it was like Five Nights at Freddy's, only scary. Mm. Yeah, it's just it's it's just it feels like they kind of cast aside too many of the things that I loved about the original. Um, 
It was and, and what what was well, that? in the original game we're, you could name three things that you loved. So the jumping uh, in the original game was on the mm-hmm. same button like every time you pressed it. There wasn't this whole like every time you press jump it like randomizes thing, which is like I don't know. I like that because it kept you on your toes. Well, but I continue. like I get what they're trying to go for, right? Which is we don't want people to just be able to use a walkthrough. So let's say you get up to like a cliff that you need to jump that's like about waist high on on ukulele. Uh, I got stumped there and I was normally I would like try to Google it and look it up and but like normally I'd look at a walkthrough and it would say press A to jump but in this game you don't have that affordance because they randomized the jump button and so it, again it's another thing of them like it's smart in a sense because it's like hey we we don't want it all players we want players to have to communicate and talk but it kind of just made it less fun for me um, the other thing that I really loved about Banjo-Kazooie that was missing in this game was the uh the the sort of the multiplayer stuff um Mm -hmm. sort of the like there was that mode where you would plug in four n64 controllers and grab the first and third controller whoever was holding those in their left and right hand would play as banjo and then whoever was holding the second and fourth would play as kazooie um and there's nothing like that in this game at all Um, well i mean technically the only reason they had to do that with the n64 controllers was the n64 controller didn't have two sticks so, mm. like, what were you going to do? You need two sticks to play this game. Right. Uh, you know, one controller has two sticks now. So, I feel like that's a pretty good compromise. But then again, the Switch multiplayer, that's one stick again. So, you need four Joy-Con for it. Yes. You ever try putting your Joy-Cons on your Switch backwards? I, yeah. I, I Don't only do play that. like that. I started doing that a couple days ago. And it just because it was, it was one of those things. It was like trying to stop yourself from, like, picking a scab or something. I just got the idea in my head and I could not not do it. But I it's, did not. It's, click it's almost them like a way. sick, like like a twisted. I wouldn't say fantasy, just like a thought you might have. Like, hey, I wonder if I can do this. Yeah. And then you realize, oh, this is so much was better tw- than I expected. It was twisted. It was like it's just what the Joker would do with his switch. I feel like once you put the Joy Cons on the back, you never go back. Mm-hmm. I have to play <laughs> Zelda standing in front of a mirror, holding my arms straight in front of me now. That, that, uh, just so that's I can see what's that's going the new uh, switch mode called selfie mode it's kind of a bummer that like nintendo put a camera on literally every single fucking system they released for the past nine years except for this one like i'm glad you guys decided that a camera on the dsi and the wii u gamepad was important but uh, you didn't put one on the switch excuse you don't forget the game boy camera the game boy camera is still great i still love it i still probably product. do you do you still have the uh, game boy printer and <laughs> any printer paper Yes, I have like three boxes of printer paper I'm sealed. I'm gonna need you to send me some for things. I, I I've been looking for some for like years. My understanding is that that shit is legitimately very valuable. Yeah, it's it's like worth its weight in like, not gold, something more valuable. Right, because if it was worth its weight in gold, it would be worth about three dollars. It's it's <laughs> worth its weight in printer ink. Three whole dollars. I'm sitting on a fucking gold mine. I'm just pulling up like some of the credits uh, for some of the people that worked on this. Um, Eric Wolpaw, uh, interestingly enough, wrote the story for this game. The guy who wrote Portal 2 and a lot of the Half-Life anthology. That's Well, so he left Valve like a month ago, right? So he yep. probably came in to just do some last minute. Like he wrote the story of this game. Like probably, I think he's tweeted that he was going to start working on it like I think Tuesday of last week. So he's been working on it for like six days now. And when you consider that, like when you consider that it was getting patched into the game as we were playing it for review, it's very impressive. I heard that. Uh, I heard that most of it. I heard that most of it was actually ghost written by R.L. Stein, which is probably well, that explains why, it was, why it was the scary parts. Right? right. It was so scary. Oh, that explains the monster blood. God damn it. 
I, I like the amount of skeletons in this game. I really, I don't know. I, I mean, totally agree. The fact that there were none in it was really good. Right, there's felt too so many good. skeletons in other games, and so I love the amount of skeletons insofar as they left them out completely. There wasn't even any fonts in this game. No fonts whatsoever. Yeah, it was so weird because like when they when they announced the ukulele Kickstarter, they had that like title thing that was like really clearly in this really elaborate font that was meant to evoke like the Banjo Kazooie logo, and then you boot up the retail letters. game. Yeah, then you buy this game and you boot it up, and everything is just in the same sort of default font. Like it's all looks. It looks like they did like the title screen in Windows Movie Maker, which I thought really was like one of those corner cutting budget things that just leaves a bad like it doesn't make the game play any worse but it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth i mean certainly as someone who's been doing a lot of contract work recently realizing that you have to purchase fonts to be able to use them commercially is kind of a mind-blowing thing so i gotta commend them on their choice to use wingdings for the entire game so uh now that we've gotten to the point that we're talking about fonts i feel like we're at a point where we need to talk about our final thoughts on this game I mean, we've really got down to the minor details, you know, of fonts and dildo guns and R.L. Stein. So, uh, Miles, yep. what'd you what'd you think? Is it a ten out of ten, or what'd you think? So, I did not come into this with the nostalgia or expectation that this would be uh, good at all. Uh, I have never played Banjo Kazooie in my life. That is an actual fact. Uh, I'm going to apologize for it later. Um, but you know, I, I booted this game up. I had a grand old time. Uh, I finished it a few times, you know, I'm, I'm planning on doing a third playthrough, uh, on new game multiplied, uh, which is, uh, apparently DLC that's going to be coming out soon. But anyway, I'm, I'm going to give it like, I don't know, an 8.1 out of six. That's a good score. It's a good score. It's a solid one. Nick. Mm Mm-hmm. What'd you think about this here game? It was, I don't know. It, it, it bummed me out in a lot of ways. I think I went into it with like really high expectations that they were going to do just any of the things that they said they were going to do. Right. Like I wanted, I was totally in the mood for like a throwback platformer. Um, and it, it didn't scratch that itch for me. Um, but it did a lot of weird risky stuff. I think it's good to see that peripherals are coming back in a big way. And so I feel like I, I like ultimately if I'm setting aside my personal opinion and just thinking about like for the general consumer, I would probably say it's about like an 8.1 out of, uh, 8.1. That's, okay. that's pretty good. Uh, personally, mm-hmm. yeah, personally, I thought it was fucking garbage. And if you know me, I fucking love garbage. So I really like this game. I really liked all the cameos. I really like Danny DeVito just showing up just for a second and he just walks the past best, the camera. By the way, the best one, and I can't believe none of us mentioned this before, the best cameo by a landslide was cameo from Cameo Elements of Power. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. God damn it. That one that yeah, one was a good that, one. That was really the good. Banjo Kazooie. I'm bumping my scarf to an eight point nine. You know, it's just just being able to play this new reskinned Mario game with Charles Martinet and uh Weird Al's soundtrack. It was just a really pleasant experience. One that I've, you know, experienced many times before now, but this was just felt felt nice and fresh and trashy, just the way I like it. Um, so, yeah, I think that pretty much uh, finishes, finishes our thoughts on this up. Real quick. but did we, uh, did we break the embargo? We, is, is it broken We now? broke it, but real quick before, we go? before we go... A lot of people have been saying, why don't you do Persona 5? And we would, but it's already, uh, the embargo's already out there. 
people have already talked about it, but what we can do really quick, really, really quickly here, is we can talk about the parts of that, if you guys are up for it, where uh, the embargo, you know, if you've ever seen an embargo, sometimes it's like you can talk about all of this, but not this bit. We can spoil that bit of uh, Persona, which for me, the part that they said not to talk about is all the farting in the game. I just love Persona farts. 10 out of 10 for me. That's all I have to say about that, really. I didn't like that part. You're not a fart man? Not at all. In no way. Could you please my... could you please say, I'm... are you a fart man or a burp man? Could you please say, I'm not a fart man into the I'm microphone? A... I promise I'm not a fart man. <laughs> Wrap it up. We got it. <laughs> this has been a sting operation. We've been so trying get to me set to you say up that? for a very long time. You're, You're just fucking busted. I mean, fucking got you, Nick. If you wanted me to say... If you wanted me to say I'm not a fart man, just go to my Fiverr and I'll I'll say whatever you want. Like just yeah, this was free though, so you know what? I can go buy two McChickens now with the five dollars I saved. Hmm. I'm not I'm charging two fifty for McChickens now. What the fuck? That's it's like one twenty nine or something, right? Uh, over where I'm at, they are two. I, yeah, I think they're like two thirty something. Jesus, oh. I live in the Midwest. You rich boys live in the big cities, so I don't know. We should end this. Uh, so, Miles, where can we find your tent? Oh, uh, my tent is located just off of I ninety West, uh, just three miles. I'm past, sorry, let me stop you. Your 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 content. Exit. Oh yeah, my apostrophe tent. Um, that's going to be at Miles Cox on Twitter. M Y L E S C O X underscore. That's an actual part of the tweet. Uh, man, that's me. Um, and. Yeah, I'm on Destructoid. I make videos. We just did a uh, bunch of Destructoid wrestling stuff featuring game journalists from all around the industry. Check that out on the site. Nick, where are you at? Yeah, thank you guys very much for having me. I am, well, originally I'm from, I was born in Georgia, but I uh, grew up in North Carolina. Uh, You can find me online. You can find me online. That's pretty much all you need to know. Just open Google Uh, Chrome and you'll find Nick. Just Google Nick Robinson and then type minus actor. So it removes that fucking kid from Jurassic World who is like waging a war on my SEO right now. And you'll be good. You'll find me. You should change your name. I've I've got I've gotten really close on a few occasions. I'm here. I've got a rebrand for you. Rick Robinson. That's that's got that sounds like it's the name of a wrestler or something, though. All you got to do is just take off one bit of the N. It's literally the least amount of effort, and then you're done. And you put it like you that. Could, you could just swap like the idea. letters and be a Rick Nobinson. Nobinson mm. sounds really Again, cool. Again, see, that one is taken, so though. Nobinson. Cool. Yeah. That's just uh, that's Nick's shadow. That's his, that's his true self. Persona 5 in stores now. Jed, where are you at? You can find me on Destructoid, begrudgingly reviewing games because I'm bored. Uh, sometimes I write for Motherboard now because they decided to give me money for shoving controllers in my ass. Uh, yeah, just just go look me up on Open Critic. Just read my reviews and act like you care about my opinion. At Jid05 on Twitter, if you like to hear me tweet about uh, the snake from Snake Pass choking me until I come, because that is a thing that I do often. I have a like a screenshot on my Switch right now of I managed to tie that snake into a knot. Um, and then it just game over and then deleted. That's the game probably for the Switch. better because that game sucks. That's a, I don't know about that. It's fifteen levels of the same That's shit right. over and over, and and then Hell they yeah. patched out the best feature. But we should end this. Let's kill it. Uh, see you guys next time when we break the embargo of an undisclosed game. See ya.